This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Hey, what's up, Place to Be Nation? Greg Diener here, along with Scott Criscolo. And hey, we did the first part of this back in February. So now we're in the uh, the middle chapter of the epic Flare Steamboat trilogy from 1989. We're at the uh, Empire Strikes Back portion of this feud, if you right. will. That's right. Hey, Scott. Except, so except, uh, except in this one, uh, nothing goes to shit. <laughs> oh <laughs> like no! An Empire no. Strikes Back. So nobody gets frozen in carbonite. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No Thank one gets God. their arm cut off. <laughs> and no one gets their arm cut off. Although we do have a couple of chicken wings in this match. So. <laughs> Oh, man. So, Scott, do you have any memories of Clash 6 when this happened? I don't, because, as everyone knows, uh, Clash 6 was the same night as WrestleMania 5. Oh, and that, yeah. And that's what I was watching. I was at my buddy's house. A bunch of us were over, and we were watching uh, WrestleMania 5. So I did not watch The Clash till the next night, because my dad taped it for me. So I watch I watch Clash Six the next night off off tape, um, because I was at my buddy's watching uh, WrestleMania Five live and and incidentally, uh, Greg, I'm probably going to go on a few tangents or or I don't know rants tonight about promotions putting things on on the same night. Oh, yeah. Nobody because we got that coming up in 2023, and I think it's a I I'm not a fan. Uh, I think that the fa- the fan the, the the wrestling fan does not win. The wrestling fan loses. It's only between the two promotions, and they don't really care about us. But that's just me. We'll get to that as we progress. But I remember watching this the next night off of tape, and uh, and it being in love with it. And and I'll get into when we get to that match. I'll really get into my my love for it. But um, I believe this was the last time that anybody did. I- I'm pretty sure that this was it for doing things on the same night. I think Crockett gave up. I think WWF gave up and, uh, and they stuck with separate nights from this point forward. And thank God too, because yeah, pretty much <laughs> it's annoying. <laughs> yeah. At least until the Monday night raw, at least until the Monday night war, it was like, Nope, we got a truce. We're not going to exactly crap. Exactly. Good point. But this is pretty much a one match show. It is, but we'll have some fun on the undercard. We'll be able to make fun of some stuff and and uh, and kind of goof about it. Um, uh, but I have I have thoughts on 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 Flair Steamboat too, which we'll get to. But um, we could argue between uh, not you and I, but we could debate and and our listeners and viewers can as well the merits of Savage Steamboat. Uh, Savage Steamboat. Look at me, I'm mushing the matches together. I got it in my head, Greg. Uh, Savage <laughs> Savage Hogan versus Steamboat Flair, the two main events on that night. Um, because they were both amazing matches in their own special way. So it's, uh, it'd be fun to talk about. Oh yeah. So, okay. Um, so if you're on Peacock or WWE network, you can click play on your browser starting now. The site was Chicago, Illinois, and history was made. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat defeated the greatest NWA champion ever, Nature Boy Ric Flair. Okay, so we got the um, the uh, beginning of this, recapping everything. 
Yep. Thank God Michael Hayes is commentating because he couldn't wrestle at this point. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's JR and uh, Michael Hayes doing this. Doing commentary. They're at the Superdome. I think it's funny that uh, uh, the NWA slash WCW did a big show at the Superdome before WWF did. <laughs> Yeah, because when I found when I found out they did this at the Superdome as a kid, I'm like, wait, why aren't there like seventy thousand people at this? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I think the final total was, I think seven thousand. I think maybe or eight. I'll I'll, I, I'll have to check that here on my other on my other uh, computer here. Let me take a look. I'm, Let me see. Um, I got. I love these shades that Michael has on here. Oh yeah, they're badass. Oh yeah, this is the. Uh, I guess this is the NWA Champions Dinner. Yeah, it's like the Fan Fest. Oh look, Terry Funk. We haven't seen him in a while. I wonder if he'll oh, come yeah. back into wrestling in 1989. I'm not sure. Hmm. Oh my God, Sam Mushnick. Oh man. Pat O'Connor. Pat O'Connor. Uh, look at Rick. Look at Ricky with that awesome mullet. He's got to be the youngest person at the table by about 20 years. I know, right? <laughs> Ricky's Luthez is looking at Steamboat like, I'll hook you, kid. <laughs> pizza, oh, pizza, 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 pizza. What a doofus. <laughs> what an absolute doofus. I love Buddy Rogers. Just looking at Buddy Rogers, even that late in his career. Good Lord, Dory. Did you ever have hair? Look at Harley. Harley's looking like uh, like uh, Lee Majors. <laughs> Harley was looking pretty slick right there. So I'm guessing that he was gone. I guess he was gone from uh, WWF, WWF at that point. Yeah, because his last match would have been what? Royal Rumble against Haku. Against Haku, yeah. Yeah, it was the battle for the king. Yes, which for some inexplicable reason uh, was always edited out of the was edited out of the Coliseum home video of the '89 Rumble. Which is the meanwhile they kept that garbage. Uh, was that that six man or some crap with Duggan on it or some garbage? Oh yeah. But um, there was fifty three hundred at the Superdome F- on that night. Fifty three hundred fans. That's 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 abysmal. <laughs> that's pathetic. That is awful. Well, because if you're going to book a show on the same night as the WWF's biggest show of the year and the explosion of the Mega Powers, how many people do you think you were going to get there? I mean, come on. It's crazy. I don't know how, how you wouldn't think that. That's my point about booking two matches at the same at two shows at the same time. It's stupid. Even I don't care if one's free and one's not. Stinger. Sting was still kind of uh, kind of sowing his oats. You know, he'd been around, obviously. You know, he one year earlier, also at a WrestleMania, also the same night as a WrestleMania. 
We had uh, we had the uh, forty five minute draw with um, with uh, uh, Ric Flair. So Muda, oh Muda, I love Muda. I'm so happy he's going to the Hall of Fame. I'm yeah, I'm happy he went to the Hall of Fame too. Oh, Paul E. right there. Yep. Ah, Samoan SWAT team. God, what a great, what a great team name. It's a shame that it Vince w- didn't take that team name. I know, right? just a little montage of, I guess, stuff that's happened in the company. Yeah. How young Paulie looks. I know, right? Crazy. Oh, National Anthem. Very nice. Yeah. WWF still did America the Beautiful. This was the night of, let's see who sings America. Oh, oh they're just doing no, they're just, You know what? They're doing the Yankee Stadium Army Band rendition version of the National Yes. Anthem. Well, you know what? Think about it on this night, Greg. I'd rather have pre-canned this than... Uh, Rock and Robin? Than Rock and Robin uh, mangling America the Beautiful uh, at WrestleMania Five. And crown thy could with brotherhood. With brotherhood. <laughs> oh man, this this pyro and lighting <laughs> setup looks so like it amazing. Was, oh my god, this is so awful. Don't let the uh, pyro be so bright so we can't see the uh, 60-something thousand empty seats. (laughs) 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 Oh, look at this banger we're about to watch. Oh, my God. This is going to be great. Total banger right here. Oh, what a team. Absolutely love the Samoan SWAT team. Greg, what were your thoughts on uh, 
babyface Midnight Express. You know what? It freshened the team up, to be honest. I think, yeah, I think they did all they could as heels, so it's like, let's turn them face, and at least you get some fresh matchups. Right. And then when they turn them back heel, like, the next year, it's kind of like earned, because that's the whole uh, thing where they turn right. heel with, when they uh, attack the dynamic dudes, which, let's be honest, they kind of deserved it, the dynamic yeah. dudes. Yeah, they did. You know, when I had the WWF Hasbros, I had Samu as a kid. Never had Fatu as a kid. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wish I had Fatu. Well, maybe I can get it now that I'm an adult. So, but the problem yes. is those later Hasbro's are like they cost like an arm and a leg. Yeah, they do. I feel like, other than obviously this match and the main event, as I'm looking at the rest of the the card, um, I feel like uh, like they kind of threw this like slap these middle matches together could have been a lot better, you know? Yeah. Like, why would you have sting and Luger two of your, two of your belt holders? Oh, yeah. In dark, in dark matches. Yeah. That just does not make any sense. No, that's, that's ridiculous. We have to watch You're a like... minute and 56. Well, wait till we get to it. God forbid. Oh God. Oh, I can't. God. Oh, a minute 56 of Ranger Ross and the Iron Sheik, and then we don't get to watch. I mean, no, just I mean, I know nobody, not everybody loves Luger, but you know, he was a U.S. champion, so yeah. And Stig was know. the TV champ, so it's like, how do you not have two of your champions on a show called Clash of the Champions? Exactly. Who was JR's like normal color guy that I mean was was uh I don't think Michael Hayes was doing TV. So I, well to, it's weird cuz like I think him and Paulie were doing main events after Tony left. But I'm not I mean I think it might have been JR solo on Saturday night. Yeah, you might be right on that. Because they have they have those uh 89 episodes of World Championship Wrestling on Peacock, so. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I'm on 87 right now. I'm on one of my chrono watches. They're like, I think this is like right in the transition when they went from Techwood to center stage. Yeah. By the way, I was looking at, um on Facebook last night, the uh, GCW showed the uh, pictures of center stage for their upcoming show. Right. And it it looks pretty good. Yeah, it does. I agree. I always loved Center Stage on Saturday night. Yeah. I think it was a smart move to do that. It was cheap. You know, it's jobber matches, so you don't have to care whether you're making any real money, to be honest. So I think it, I think it worked out for them in the long run.
Bobby Eaton, one of the most underappreciated, uh, um, one of the most underappreciated workers of all time, I think. Oh yeah, in my opinion, he should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. No, there's no doubt. The Midnight Express should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Oh yeah. But I mean, if you wanted to put Bobby in by himself, I wouldn't mind that too. I mean. What is does Paul just have like a is there just like a dial tone that calms Fatu down? I know. I wonder how the reception is in the Superdome. I know, right? I wonder how much tickets were for the for this. I want, yeah, I that's a good question. I wonder how much a ringside seat would cost. I mean, if it's right. anything if it's anything more than like I'd say 25, you're getting ripped off. Right. Because I mean, I mean the tickets are close, but I mean if you didn't sell that many, I, I, you obviously weren't charging a ton, you know. I'm guessing that there's a significant portion of that 5,300 that's papered. Probably. It's got to be. Michael Hayes. I don't think Michael Hayes ever reviewed tapes of his opponent. He was typically getting shit-faced. Oh, no. I'm going to review tapes of uh, the Von Erics while I'm doing shots at Jack. Yeah, okay. He was probably putting those tapes in the beta packs while... <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Muda. Love Muta.
Oh, man, a switcheroo. Switcheroo, which is funny considering, come on, Gary Young. Gary, uh, didn't you win, like, NWA referee of the year, like, 15 years in a row? How do you not see that? Yeah, Tommy. Come on, Tommy. I almost said Gary Young. He, he, was, he was a wrestler in, uh, in world class. Come on, Tommy. They said you were the greatest, the greatest referee of all time. Well, in Tommy's defense, it's not like it's going to be the worst refereeing job ever at the Superdome. <laughs> it's true. That's right. Lance was in a WCW at this time. Yes, briefly. Yeah, when uh, Memphis kind of went under. He, he did some, but he, he didn't do very long because he was getting older anyway. So he, I think he was doing it to get a little, uh, little get extra, a little scratch. extra scratch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we go back, it's funny though, Greg, when we're talking about Superdome, um, Superdome attendance, I, I'm curious because I, I mean, I watched all of the world-class, uh, all of the world-class, um, not world class. I'm sorry. Mid South shows, um, uh, uh, on the on Peacock, and they did a bunch. They did big Superdome shows, uh, um, you know, in a, in the throughout the '80s in Mid South before they obviously, uh, you know, got bought by Crockett. I'm trying to think how many, um, how many people they got in the Superdome for that. They didn't fill that place up. They didn't. They, I mean, I'm sure no. Mid-South didn't do 70,000. But I bet when JYD was in his peak and DiBiase and those guys, I bet that they probably, I probably, I bet you they got like 25. Yeah, at least. Maybe 30. Yeah. I got to think, I bet the, when they had the, good crack, yeah, it's good. I, I was going to say, I bet when they had the Crockett Cup here at the Superdome that it did better than this, attendance-wise. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I agree with that. Harley Race looked so good on that <laughs> that dinner. Like he was looking yeah. like all he looked better than he did in his prime. <laughs> oh yeah, he he certainly did. He I did. Mean, he had like his nice hair and his like half gray beard. He was looking like a he he decided to wash out that crappy dye and Harley's one of those guys. Even when he was young, he looked old. Yeah. Like, he always looked like he was, like, 50. But he was just so... 
Such a stud. He really was. Great worker. And listen, he was put he was still putting up great matches, you know, in eighty eight. Like yeah. we talk about that, the injury he suffered against Hogan at that at that Saturday night's main event, but that was actually a great match. If if for anybody that, that doesn't remember it, I would go after watching this, go, go on Peacock and go to I don't remember which one, but it's one of the Saturday night's main events in uh in 1988 and uh hogan and harley had a banger and then harley hit the table wrong and that's when he injured his his stomach muscle and that's when he was out and uh but but before that injury that match was a banger i gotta tell you but you know what in one small consolation gave us king haku that is true and haku as king was uh was quite impressive i could never argue with king haku as far, we had good kings. Yes. We had great kings, our, except Duggan. As, <laughs> as our colleague Peter, with, uh, who was it? I don't know if it was Peter or Keith said, Haku, the one true king. Yes. Sounds like Peter would say that. Sounds like Winston would say that. Um, it's been a fun match. It's been a really good match. I've enjoyed this. Yeah. Uh, SWAT team was a great team. Midnight Express, obviously. I'm trying to think. The Rock and Roll Express. I don't know if they were... I don't know if they were gone in 89, where they were. I think they might be in AWA, because I think they're at Super Clash 3. Yeah. Yeah, those were chips they probably regret regret <laughs> oh, cashing. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to go to the AWA and succeed. No, you're not. <laughs> you're lucky your checks don't bounce. At least they got out before the Team Challenge series. <laughs> yes. Yep, the the Rock and Roll Express on the same team as Jake the Milkman Milliman. I mean, come on, fuck it, friggin' Vern, Jake Milliman, you know, Rock and Roll Buck Zumhoff, who ended up being a scumbag, but for other reasons. But oh god, yeah. Incidentally, that was Triple H's first match in WWF in 1995 was against Buck Zumhoff. I think Paul E sticks around. I guess he's good through 92. Does he leave and come back? No, I guess he's around the whole time. No, doesn't he briefly leave? Because doesn't he have like a dispute? I think he has a dispute before he comes back in 91. Yeah. Because obviously he's around throughout most of 91. And then he, uh, and then he, obviously the Dangerous Alliance. And then by 93, he's in ECW. Yeah, because... didn't him and Watts have kind of like a dispute? Yeah. <laughs> Who did Watts not have a dispute with in 92, 93? WCW, what a mess. They couldn't get they couldn't get know their ass in their elbow.
I want to say hi to our pal, Mr. Ben Zani, saying hi in the chat. Ben, how are you? For anybody who follows uh, who follows Ben on Twitter, he posted his amazingly awesome round of golf. Uh, um, probably better than I would, but uh, I forgot what uh, I'm trying to remember what which hole that you decided to make words instead of uh, numbers. But <laughs> uh, Ben's one of my favorite guys. Well, I get, I guarantee you, Ben had a better round of golf than Brooks Kepko on the final day of the Masters. <laughs> yes. That is true, Ben. You probably shot better than Brooks Kepka did because he kind of he took a pooch and he screwed it. <laughs> I think as I think I said this on on my podcast, it was great that Brooks Kepka paid tribute to his boss by not showing up on the final day of a major. <laughs> you gotta love making a diss on live golf. I think also watching us, uh, I think I see his name there. My, my, uh, my coat, my, uh, compadre on, uh, the, uh, NWA Saturday special. I think the doctor's oh, on the Dr. Doc. G. Oh, the doc. Nice to have you on here. The, doc. The, the doctor's joined us. Doctor's watching Dr. G. George Blino, of course, my compadre on the NWA Saturday special. Um, well, he's my second favorite doctor after Doc Gooden. Well, that's true. Sorry. Yeah, that's true, Dr. G. Sorry, buddy. Doc Gooden will always be the number one doctor. He knows that. <laughs> I think doctor, the doctor and I would love to see a La Rebellion versus Samoan SWAT team for the uh, NWA World Tag Team titles. That's what we want to see. I don't know, Dr. G. Maybe doctor could join us. We could do a triple threat at uh, Wrestle War. Oh, that'd be maybe great. Maybe he could join us. Yeah, Doctor. Of course, that'll be uh, Greg's and my next uh, Stream Lounge uh, uh, appearance. We'll be on the actual anniversary, May 7th. That's a Sunday night. Join us for the third match of the trilogy, Wrestle War, from uh, Nashville. So join us 8 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday night, May 7th. Two weeks from tonight. We're going to have some fun. Oh, and if I'm not mistaken, I'm looking up at Wikipedia. That will actually be the um, the anniversary, May 7th, of WrestleWar 89. Yeah, 24 years to the... 30, 30, 34. 34 years to the day. Crazy. What timing, Greg, huh? Amazing. That was a Sunday night. So join us two weeks from tonight here on Stream Lounge, May 7th, 8 o'clock. Greg and I and maybe the doctor... We'll join us. Uh, we'll do uh, Wrestle War 89, the third match of the Flair Steamboat Trilogy. But this has been a banger, I tell you. Oh, is that it? Yes. 
Oh. Yep. The Paulie Dangerously Telephone got the job done. And the Samoan SWAT team pick up the uh, pick up the victory. I wonder who the U.S. I don't think the Midnight Express were. I wonder who the uh, who are the U.S. Tag Team Champions. Oh. Doctor G loves when I throw my glasses on because that means I actually look like I know what I'm talking about. Um, who were the NWA U.S. Who were the Tag Team Champions at this moment? Let's see. Eighty nine. Mm. Oh, I got it. It's uh, Eddie Gilbert and Rick Steiner. Oh. oh, okay. So part of the, uh, I guess what part of the, uh, were they in the uh, Varsity Club? No, they were baby faces. They beat yeah, the Varsity Club. Yeah, they beat the Varsity Club at uh, on Worldwide, it says. Right. Um, it aired uh, about two weeks prior to this on March 18th. Yes. And then, then they deactivate the belts uh, in about a month. And then uh, they do a tournament. Uh, Brian Pillman and the Z-Man defeat uh, Michael Hayes and Jimmy uh, the Freebirds uh, in February of 90. So. Oh, oh, I love Muda. Damn, I love Muda. So good. So good. And Gary Hart, probably one of the best managers of his era. Yes. Like, watching that world-class documentary made me really appreciate Gary Hart. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, Muda. Oh, so good. He was the first like wrestler that came over stateside that made me really appreciate the Japanese yeah, style. I agree with you 100%, Greg, because, I mean, even when I was younger, and Dr. G could back me up on this, I mean, we, you know, we were when we were kids, I mean, even... I, I mean, I officially started watching wrestling in general in 1983. And by then, like occasionally, uh, like Tatsumi Fujinami would, would wrestle at the Garden. Um, uh, but pretty much by... Look at this guy, Steve Casey. <laughs> this jobber. God, what a hoss too. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, I can't see Moodle losing this guy. God, he's so, so good. Do- Dr. G would know if you're listening. Who was the dude that feuded with Dusty in the 70s? The the Asian guy. I don't know if you're... What was his name? That feuded with Dusty in the 70s? Yeah, he feuded with Dusty. Dr. G probably remembers if he's listening. Oh, God, I can't think of it. Uh, Pack Song. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Ben. Pack Song. Yes, thank you, Benjamin. Pack song. So, you know, and then you had, like, obviously you had, like, Kira Matsuda and guys like that. But the first, the first, my first, the first Japanese wrestler I legitimately loved watching wrestle 
was uh, was Muda. It's so good. So good. Of course, Dusty not around. He's in WWF right now. Right? Did Dusty Ooh. leave yet? Yeah, Dusty's Dusty's just about to be there. Yeah. He's probably there like I think maybe summer. <laughs> and I know Ben, you're the only guy I know that has a Fred Katow t shirt, so <laughs> Fred Katow. God. Uh, uh Ben everybody. Two shows a night, have the veal. It's very good. Oh, so good. And then later on in the 90s, I became a big Massa Chono fan. Love Chono. And actually, one of my uh, one of my top 10 uh, on my NWA, WCW, GWCW match list was Muda versus Chono in January of, uh, I think it's 93, uh, for the NWA title. At a, at a, that, that, that Mick, that, what was it? The WCW New Japan Super Shows they did for those few years in a row. Yeah. Um, Is, was that yeah. when Muda won the NWA belt? Yeah. Yep. Chono won the belt in uh, 92 because he won the tournament and he beat uh, uh, Rick Rude, I think, in the final. It was Rick Rude or Steve Austin, one of the two. Not sure which one. There was a tournament in '92, or was that the G1 Super G1 Climax? Hmm. Hmm. Like they did didn't like the storyline was Watts set up a tournament for both the NWA titles, the world yeah. and the tag. Yeah. The tag is when we had those. I mean, absolute meat slappers between. Uh, Steiners and the Miracle Violence Connection, Dr. Death and Terry Gordy. God, another awesome freaking tag team. That's a Dr. G team right there. Miracle Violence Connection. Dr. Death and Steve Williams and freaking uh, Terry Gordy. Two two meat slappers right there. Those guys are off from Idaho because they had no problem throwing potatoes around. I'll tell you that right now. And then you have the Steiners who have zero problem throwing potatoes. Woof. Those were fun. Fun fights. They wrestled at a clash. Uh, I think they wrestled at, yeah, because uh, there were tournament matches at Bash 92, and they wrestled there. Yeah, they were just oh, so good. Let us know in the chats if you're watching. Uh, I see a few people in. Uh, your first uh, uh, exposure to Muda, if maybe you watched him earlier. And a guy like Fujinami. Like, I don't know about Muda, but Fujinami was a guy that bounced around different weight classes. He, uh, um, he was a junior cause he was, he was, he was WWF junior heavyweight champion in the early eighties. And that's who, that's what he would defend when he came over to, um, uh, to the garden for a couple of MSG house shows. Um, do you have any Muda figures, uh, Greg? Uh, no, I don't think Buddha has that many figures here stateside. Yeah, you're probably right. Probably right. Although I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a Mattel figure now that uh, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, if if he does, if he gets a figure, I am I'm totally getting it. Totally. 
I hope it's like a defining moments figure because those, yeah, the packaging on those defining moments figures are awesome. They are. I agree. One of my favorite live moments ever, and I've said this on so many pods, but for those that are new to the new to this to the stream, and I, I was at the G One Supercard WrestleMania Thirty Five weekend at MSG, and they had that battle royal to determine the number one contender for I think it's the I think it was was it the world title or the pure title in ROH? I don't remember. And at one point, for like 30 seconds, Muda and Liger were in the ring alone. And you could have cut the place. You could have cut the air with a knife. It was just, it, just for a few seconds. It was just, yes, you were, Ben. You were there too. Yep. Uh, I We had a big crew there that day. I was just, it was just crackling. Just for those 30 seconds to see arguably the two great two of the greatest of all time. I mean, Muda is a top fiver, and you could argue Liger and Rey Mysterio are probably one A and one B in terms of the greatest cruiserweights of all time. Um uh it it was just amazing. It was just amazing. Um But uh, just, just so amazing. Because, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I didn't have a lot of exposure to Japanese wrestling till, oh God, I don't know, the early, probably the mid to late 90s. Um, it was very hard to get New Japan stuff over here unless you really dug deep into the tape trade world, you know? You know, this is a highly competitive match for a jobber match. I got to give. Yeah, I feel like, you know, it's funny you say that, Greg, because I was kind of thinking that, like, I almost feel like uh, Mood is torturing this poor bastard just to, because the official runtime is, I have to show it's, it's up. Eight minutes, I think, it said on the. Yeah, I think it's eight. On hold on. Eight. A, let's see. Uh, It is eight eleven. And I feel like about 750 of this of this 811 is just mood of absolutely torturing this poor bastard. So And then of course Muda would go headlong into a feud with uh Stinger that would last throughout all of 89. It would kind of coincide with the feud between Flair and Funk, which we'll get more into in 2 weeks on our next uh our next stream. And then when we get Later into '89, we get the uh, the greatness of the JTEX Corporation with Gary Hart. Yes, JTEX. Let me tell you something. You talk about just I, I agree with you 100, percent Greg, and and uh, just Gary Hart, just such an underrated manager. You know, just an absolute underrated manager. And Muda gets the win. He finally puts this poor bastard out of his misery. Um, He's really great in world class, Gary Hart. Absolutely. I mean, he managed I mean he managed Kamala and Gary Young and uh uh Chris Adams and Kabuki. 
There was a guy. There, all right, I'll say that. There was a guy that I was exposed to early on in my wrestling watching because World Class was on uh, ESPN when I was a kid. And I did watch my fair share of Kabuki, who used to scare the crap out of me as a kid. Oh, God. Ask Dr. Duck. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I agree. Yes, you're right, uh, Doctor. He was a great booker. Um, uh, Gary Hart was a... Let me tell you something. Gary Hart was a good wrestling guy, Greg. Just a good wrestling guy. For, for, for my money, 83-84 world class is like the best wrestling. Yeah, it is. It really television. is. And, and look, and pay-per-view's promoting it now. There it is. Wrestle War. There it is. From Nashville. And we'll be doing Mace. that show in two weeks. 5 p.m. Eastern. Remember when wrestling pay-per-views were on in the afternoon? I know. Well, this was WrestleMania 5 was in the afternoon. Yeah. This was in the middle of the day. This is bad, though. I oh. mean, this is clearly, this next match here is clearly, uh, is clearly uh, Jim Hurd and the Bookers and Crockett trying to cash in on something from, like, seven years ago. You know, no disrespect. Look, JYD's a Hall of Famer, but by this point, he's just so, like, bloated. I mean, he's bad. But they're trying to channel, you know, like, the inner JYD of, like, 1982-83 in Mid-South, and him and Butch Reed had, you know, killer feuds in in Mid-South. and. I, I trying to channel it here, trying to, these two guys are like, so out of the, I mean, Butch, Butch Reed probably left in mid 88 in WWF and JYD was gone probably at the back end of 88. Cause he wrestles, uh, who does he, he wrestles, was it Rick Rude? I think at, uh, yeah, at summer, summer slam 88. Yeah. Oh, God. I love Michael Hayes. Pretty much acknowledging all these guys are hammered. (laughs) They probably are. That's the best part. They're probably all good. This is a good entrance, though. I'm not going to lie. It is. It is pretty great. It is pretty great. It's kind of like Piper with the Emerald Pipe Band uh, at the Garden. (laughs) Oh, God. Doctor, if you're uh, if you're still listening, uh, uh, was JYD ever down in Florida? Doctor G, for those that don't know, grew up in Florida, so he watched a lot of awesome championship wrestling from Florida in the early to mid '80s when they were in, you know, when built when uh, the Grams were in their peak. Um, did JYD ever? Uh, no, he didn't. Okay, I was just curious because okay. okay. he was, you know, if he was doing stuff in, uh, you know, in Mid South, Louisiana, Mississippi. Uh, that I thought maybe maybe uh, the Grams borrowed him for some Florida stuff. That would have been pretty cool. <laughs> well, Lex Luger was obviously big in Florida. Doctor G could tell you that. Um, hey, Lex Luger, ex USFL player with the Tampa Bay Bandits. That is true. Tampa Bay went to Penn State. If I remember correctly, I think he went to Penn State. Um, yeah.
Uh, actually, uh, according to Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, uh, Lex played his college football at the University of Miami. He was a U guy. Oh. I guess that makes sense. Uh, uh, you're hearing right now JR, Jim Ross uh, promoting uh, a big NWA show at, uh, at, at the New Haven Coliseum. I went to that show. Oh, you did? Yeah, it was pretty great. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Let me check the card. Let me go to uh, let me go to my good was friend, Mister Mister Coffin, Mister Land on the history of WWE.com. Oh, yeah, remember Rich, good old Rich. Love Mister Land. Let me check a look history of WWE. But I definitely went to that show, 1989. Oh God, Hero Matsuda's still here. That's funny. Don't worry, Butch. It's going to get much better for you later on the year. Yep. I got to say, there is a definite reason why Dave called him the junk food dog at this time. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely the junk food dog at this point. Uh, I can't seem to find. Yep, it was April eighth, nineteen eighty nine, which was a it was a uh, it was a Saturday because it was the Saturday after this show, and here was the card. Speaking of JYD, Junkyard Dog pinned Rip Morgan with a small package. Dick Murdoch and Bob Orton Jr. fought to a time limit draw. Sting beat Kevin Sullivan. Butch Reed, oh God, Butch Reed, the Iron Sheik. Oh, what a team. Uh, oh defeated Eddie Gilbert and Rick Steiner. Lex Luger pinned Michael Hayes. This is a pretty, pretty badass show. Uh, Road Warriors defeated uh, Steve Williams and Mike Rotunda. And then the main event was uh, Steamboat Flair. So that was, uh, my brother wanted to go. And I said, yeah, count me in. It's pretty badass. It's a pretty badass show. They came back, I think. Pretty sure. Yep. Uh, did I go to this show? They came back to New Haven on June 23rd. Uh, don't think I went to this show. Uh, I did go to this show. It was a weekend. It was the weekend before SummerSlam, August 27th, 1989 at, at the Coliseum. Uh, the main event was Road Warrior. Oh, yes, I do remember this. I had Flair Funk. The last two matches were Flair Funk and then Road Warriors, Samoan SWAT team in a cage. Oh, that show was so amazing. And then I don't think they went to New Haven again. <laughs> I don't think they. I don't think they came back. I don't think the numbers were as good as they uh, as they were hoping for. No, I did go to a WCW house show in Hartford 
in January of 96. Um, I think that was the last WCW show I went to. Look at that guy with a University of Louisiana Lafayette t-shirt, Raging Cajuns. Oh, oh man, Raging Cajuns. The Raging Cajuns. I'm surprised we haven't seen anybody in the stands wearing a Bobby Hebert uh, Saints jersey yet. I know. 89? Yeah. They were just getting good, so there was no – I don't think it, I don't think there were any Aints uh, paper bags. Because uh, no. late 80s, late 80s, just getting into the 90s, the Saints actually started becoming. If this was like seven years earlier, oh, there were definitely going to be uh, uh, Saints um, paper bag, Aints paper bags. Uh, Wiki says they were 10 and 6 in 88. They actually lost uh, three of their last four games to miss the playoffs. Wow. So they were. So they were 9 and 3. They probably, they probably nine, control their own yeah. destiny. Yeah. Actually, their first well, round the, draft pick, the first round draft pick in '88, was uh, Ironhead Hayward. Yeah, Hayward. Craig Ironhead Hayward from Pitt. Yeah, never forget those uh, those uh, commercials he did for that body wash. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. But that, yeah, they're totally like. There's no, there's no juice in this match. I mean, this was totally uh, an energy grab to try to capture the old school Mid South feel when these two were feuding in like eighty three, eighty two, eighty three, eighty four, right before JYD left for the WWF. So I guess this is more like eighty three, because I would say by mid eighty four, uh, uh, JYD was in uh, New York. Yeah. I mean, this modern, I mean, I got to assume that most of the crowd here is like the modern wrestling audience in 89. So it's like right. they would probably have, unless they like read the uh, like PWI and that stuff, they would have no idea that these two had a no. history. Of course, Butch Reed would, uh, as you mentioned, Greg, would flourish uh, the following year with a better gimmick. <laughs> oh, and look look who's uh, refereeing, his future manager. Hero's not doing a very good job choking. No, he's not. No, not really. What's the time of this match? God. Uh, I'm wishing this was over right now. Oh, my God. This match is 956. Oh, Jesus. Oh, time. You've got to be kidding God. me. This match was longer. 
This match is longer than the Muda squash and that other bum. I kind of wonder, you think somebody in 1989 had, like, two TVs in the same room and watched this and WrestleMania at the same time? Um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. You think they did, like, their own 1989 version of Red Zone? Did they invent picture and picture around this time? Uh, I I think maybe certain. I think maybe certain uh, uh, TVs did. Maybe, probably not. I seriously can't believe that they had this match be. No. I blame, I blame the Louisiana State Athletic Commission. I blame, I blame the Louisiana State Athletic Commission. Hmm. That's a terrible job, hero. Yeah, it really is. Oh, God. That was just not good. <laughs> no. I would rather watch, like, a match with those, or a game with those crappy Saints teams at the Super Bowl than that match. <laughs> well, these, these two years when the 49ers were just absolute bangers. Oh, God. Oh, don't worry, be happy. The most 1989 sign ever. Exactly. 
So they, I don't know if this is out of order, but they skipped the Bob Orton-Dick Murdoch match, thankfully, because that was 33 seconds. They skipped the Varsity Club and the Road Warriors for the World Tag Team titles, which actually the Varsity Club won in an upset. Unless these are out of order. Nah, makes sense because we got the main event, so. Um, and it looks like we skip Ranger Ross and Iron Sheik, thankfully. Oh, thank God. Yeah. So this match goes for 351, and then we dive right into the main event, so. Oh, I love Missy Hyatt. He was one of my favorite guys, like in the late 80s, early 90s. I loved Eddie Gilbert, and it broke my heart. You know, it really broke my heart what happened to him eventually. Um, he was a booker. He booked ECW with uh, Todd Gordon and Paul before the, the cocaine uh, – it got the better of him. Um, he was like, what, 32 when he passed away? Um, let me see. He was... Thirty-three. Oh. Thirty-three. He died May uh February eighteenth, nineteen ninety-five in Puerto Rico of a heart attack brought on by cocaine. Dan Spivy. Sadly, the awesome Will and Mercy gimmick probably uh, was too uh, late for him because his body was pretty much shot by 1995. Yeah. So, But that was a gimmick way ahead of its time, Will and Mercy. Yeah, it was. I don't know if the doctor's still with us, but uh, he was a big Kevin Sullivan guy because Kevin Sullivan was big in Florida in the early 80s. I'm watching uh, one of my chrono watches. I'm watching, uh, I'm in uh, October of 87. And it, we're coming up on the on the purge of Mid-South or UWF, I guess, into Crockett. And uh, um, Eddie Gilbert is managing uh, Terry Taylor. Uh, Terry Taylor is the TV champion and he's about to feud with Nikita Koloff, who's the Crockett television champion and then of course at uh at star k they were they did title versus title and of course you know everybody makes fun of vince for barry and wcw in 2001 
Nobody did a better burial job than Crockett did on the UWF. Totally oh God! Kick them in the dirt after that oh, pay per view. Dusty. So let's Crockett. not pretend. Let's not pretend that uh, Vince doing it to WCW in 2001 was the was the only time that ever happened. Oh yeah, <laughs> Dusty and Crockett. They did a terrible job booking the. UWF. Yeah, they totally destroyed. They totally smushed all those guys. Dr. Dusty I mean, Williams was the last UWF champion. The Sheep Herders were the last UWF tag team champions. And Terry Taylor and Nikita Koloff merged the uh, TV belts. I mean, didn't Dusty and Crockett, they basically bought Mid-South just to have, like, the Dallas office? Not Dallas. Uh, uh, yeah, um, but they. Had, but I think Watts had an office in Dallas. That, that he did, but, I mean, in 80... In 87, we're still looking at Crockett. So, uh, uh, not Crockett, I'm sorry, world-class. So, it was more like the Louisiana office, Oklahoma City. That was mostly UWF. New Orleans, Mississippi. Um, oh, this back uh, Yeah. I love that JR is calling the actions. They got the commercial music going. I know. He's got like one of those chairs you'd see at like an elementary school. I know, really. What the hell are you going to do with that thing? All right, here we go. <laughs> Why does his name have a K? <laughs> Nineteen frickin' eighty nine, guys. Come on. Is this a joke? Oh my god. If I could steal a Chris Zellner line, WCW, everybody. <laughs> you have got to be joking. This isn't 1972, for Christ's sakes. That's just, that is unacceptable. <laughs> and you know, and they wonder why they were never taken fucking seriously. Oh, Jim no. Hurd probably didn't know how to spell his friggin' name. Oh, my God. This is, this is ridiculous. This is Bush League stuff. I mean, for Christ's sakes, guys. We're not talking about misspelling Hiro Matsuda's name, for God's sakes. It's the freaking GOAT. You should have just typed GOAT. Idiots. I, I have no words. <laughs> I have no words. I mean, ugh. God.
I love that the pyro that would not be seen until that uh, match at AEW, like, I know. years later. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, Bonnie. Then you divorced him and took all his money. Um, and then emasculated him. Jeez, yeah. It's because of you that he had a that it's it's because of you, Ricky Steamboat, and your stupid wife that we had to have a seven hundred day reign of honky tonk man as intercontinental champion. So, by the way, Scott, before uh, uh, Gary makes the introductions, um, yes. on our last show, I talked about um, Brad Muster and uh, ED9 Pro Set. I was actually at a card show last week at Hofstra, and I got, like, four packs for, like, a total of $2 of 91 Pro Set. So Beautiful. Great. And Beautiful. yesterday yesterday, I picked up uh, two cards that I think you're, you're going to enjoy. I picked okay. up this Ed Tutal Jones yes! 1989 Pro Set card. And he's retired. Yeah. This is probably one of his last cards as an active player. And Brad Muster's score 89. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, with the purple. That's awesome. Come on, Sean Kidd. We're about to start. 55 minutes and 32 seconds of Ricky Steamboat. I don't know. Of course, Sean Kidd, the host of one of the best shows on the PTB Wrestling Network. It's on hiatus at the moment, but it is returning. And that is, of course, NWA Crock and Roll. And uh, needless to say, Sean Kidd is not the biggest Ricky Steamboat fan. I don't know. You know, Sean, and I love Sean to death. I always will. But I don't know anybody who's not a Ricky Steamboat fan. It's very weird. Yeah, everyone's now, in, everyone has their own crappy wrong opinions. So. <laughs> I do want to say this as this match begins. Remember, two out of three falls. Uh, my uh, For those that, that remember a few years ago, we all did uh, our GWCW 100 greatest matches of all time. Uh, right now, we are watching my number one. In my yeah, in my... my personal opinion, this is the greatest NWA slash WCW match of all time. Yeah, this is my this was my number one too. Yeah. I would say until uh, Okada and Omega at Wrestle Kingdom eleven, this was probably the number one match of all time for me. Of all time period? Oh, okay. Yeah, of all time period until Okada and Omega. It's funny. <laughs> Sean hates Ricky Steamboat so much. Meanwhile. Both my number one GWWE and GWCW matches of all time. Both have Ricky Steepo in them. <laughs> so, two years apart. Everyone knows my favorite WWE match ever. We don't have to get into that. If it's got Steamboat in it, I think you have an idea what it is. Huh. <laughs> 
At least they get funky. And JR's like, all right, Michael Hayes, go do some go do some hurricanes on Bourbon Street. We don't need you anymore. But I do like how there's they they're subtly hinting towards what's going to happen the next month with uh Terry yeah. on commentary. I never realized how prime fluff uh, Flair's hair was in 1989. Oh, it was very glorious at this point. Yeah, his 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 hair was just absolutely luscious at this point. Oh, it's a shame he had to cut it the next year for that black scorpion Ugh. angle. Spartacus. He was almost going to be Spartacus. <sighs> Jim Hurd. Pizza, pizza, pizza. Dumbass. Yeah, Jim, you take those uh take those Pizza Hut mini final four basketballs and shove them up <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, this is what I love about watching a Ricky Steamboat Ric Flair match, okay? Now, a lot of times you're going to look at like a chicken wing and a uh you know, or a, a headlock or something. And you're going to think to yourself, all right, well, this match is two out of three falls, which means we're going to be eating up a lot of time. The one thing that I love, and I said this when I mentioned, when I talked about my top 10 and why this is number one and why, like, I have, like, eight Flair Steamboat matches in my top 30. Um, every move these guys did was leading to something later. These 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 rest hold, these, like, kind of setup moves aren't just time killers. Like, they, they're working on the arms because something's going to involve an arm in about 15 minutes. That's what made Flair and Steamboat great. Nothing was wasted. You had to think. That's why they're two of the greatest psychologists of all time. They knew what they were doing at that moment was going to affect something 15 minutes from now. Oh, that's yeah. Forget Joe Montana and Steve Young. There was a quarterback controversy with them even back then. Oh yeah, Montana was not a fan, but Joe had to play a lot in '88. Uh, Steve Young had to play a lot in '88. Um, Joe got hurt. Yeah, wouldn't uh, Steve Young would have just come from? Uh, Tampa Bay, right? Yeah, he he played for the LA Express in 83, 84, 85, and then I think he he played for the Bucks for I think two years and then when when uh, the Bucks drafted Vinny Testaverde they traded, I don't know if he's they traded him or if he's a free agent, but they sent uh, 
Steve Young to the 49ers because he was on Steve Young was on the Niners in 87. So and let's be honest, Vinny he was, was coming the, off Vinny I'm was sorry, coming okay. off the Heisman. Vinny was coming off the Heisman, so obviously Yeah, no, he was. And then he threw like 37 picks against Penn State in the national championship game. Um but because I remember Steve Young was definitely not on the Niners in 86 because in when the 49ers got absolutely uh, assassinated by the Giants in the divisional playoffs in 86, when when Jim Burt knocked Joe Montana into like Christmas 89, uh, Steve Kemp was the uh, backup. Or Jeff Kemp. A Kemp. I don't remember which one. Jeff, Steve, I don't know. Some Kemp. And I think, so I think when, when, uh, when the uh, Bucks drafted Vinny, I think that's when they they sent Steve Young to the 49ers. Was that a mistake? I don't know. Would Steve Young have been Would Steve Young have been a Hall of Famer if he stayed with the Bucks? Probably not. <laughs> he probably would have got smacked no. around and got hurt because the Bucks' offensive line was trash. So I think he landed in the right situation. Yeah, I think he did too. Just so active. Like, this whole match is just so active. You know? Here's two yeah. guys that are trying to fill 50-something minutes or whatever, and they're just not – It's not, they're not just going to sit around and do headlocks for half an hour. I mean, it's really amazing that a match this good was on free television. I know. It's weird. Even though I think, like, this is the better main event of the two shows that aired that night, I feel like WrestleMania Five is, like, an overall better show than this. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And sad part is, I mean, I don't know where I have it on my GWWE top 100, but I, uh, I definitely had Hogan Savage from that show on my list. I don't know where, Oh, well, let me look it up. It's definitely not number one, but I'm curious where I have it. Let's see. I mean, it's a great main event. Oh, it's a tremendous main event. Tremendous. I mean, it's a culmination of arguably, Greg, one of the greatest uh, WrestleMania build feuds storylines of all time. The the explosion of the Mega Powers. I mean.
Gary, uh, Tommy Young, I keep wanting to call him Gary Young. Tommy Young, very uh, active, audible. Match bout list. Here we go. Let's see. Where do I have Savage Steamboat? Last seven. Did it again. Savage Hogan. This match, obviously, I have number one on my list for GWCW. I have the Wrestle War match at four. I probably mentioned this on the first stream launch. I have the Wrestle War match at four, and I have the Chiton Rumble match at nine. I have a match from NWA Boogie Jam in 1984 at number 14. Is, is that the Meadowlands match? No. That, uh, yes, I think it is. That actually occurred the weekend that was born. Oh, there you go. The Meadowlands match, yeah. Uh, Let's see. Where is Savage Steamboat? Uh, Savage Hogan. Uh, let's see. I have it at 46 on my on my GWWE list. And Jim Ross was definitely the right play-by-play guy for this feud and these matches. Oh, yeah. This is Jim at his absolute best right here. Yeah, definitely. It's like now he's like... No, no disrespect to Tony. But now at this point, he is firmly the number one guy at this point. Yeah. I also feel like, you know, J- Jim Ross just made a good point. I feel like, uh, you know, most people knew Ricky Steamboat as, as an aerial worker, a, f- a high flyer kind of guy. But when you're wrestling a guy like Flair, you're going to need to do more than just that. And I feel like we saw an expansion of the repertoire that Ricky Steamboat can bring in a match that maybe a lot of people didn't know. And... uh I think Flair brought that out of him, and I think that's why these two were amazing together because they brought out the best in each other. Flair 
Flair definitely showed more ass to Steamboat than probably anybody else. Eh, maybe Sting, but I've never seen matches. Another reason why I think this match to me is number one, because it, it was the best look of Flair really laying out and letting his their his his opponent lead the lead the dance. You know. Usually yeah. in a lot of Flair's matches, Greg, you have, you know, think of all the guys that Flair's ever had to wrestle that, you know, probably needed a, a, a good dance partner. The Ronnie Garvins, sorry, Sean, the, uh, the Ronnie Garvins, the Nikita Koloffs, the Road Warrior Hawks, like guys like that. They, you know, you needed Flair to kind of lead the, the, lead the dancing in the ring, in the, but a guy like Steamboat, Flair could just sit back and just work some shit and, and do some stuff. And you got a guy like Steamboat who will totally can totally take control of the dance and and not and have no problems with it, you know? Yeah. And it also helped they both had a history of each other in uh, Mid-Atlantic. Correct. Yes, Terry. Yes, they can. And then these two would would continue their rivalry five years later and not miss a beat. I mean, obviously, obviously a little older, so that the it's a different kind of match, but the Spring Stampede ninety four match I think is just as good. I agree. If you re- if I really I don't think I have my still have my full list, but I think I have like legitimately Maybe like six of the top twenty-five from that uh, poll I had were Flyer Steamboat because it was yeah mine three... mine's easily like oh god 
Because I had the three from 89, the Boogie Jam match at the Meadowlands, um, Spring Stampede, and I think the rematch they had on, I think it was Saturday night in 94. Oh, that or Clash. Wait, it was probably seven, because I also had the the match we talked about, I think, last show, the match in Landover. Yeah, the house show in the middle of this feud. Oh, yeah. So, Flair Steamboat, I had Boogie Jam. I had Night of Champions, which was later in 84. Um, I have the three the three matches here and the house show uh, at the at the cap center. And then I have uh, WCW Saturday night. And did I not have Spring Stampede on here? Wow, I didn't put the Spring Stampede match on here. Oh, I got I got my list right here. Okay, so yeah, this I have the only- I have the WCW Saturday Night match. I don't have the Spring Stampede match. So this match is number one. Shy Town Rumble. I have is two. Um, oh, you see the. Uh... I have uh, the Landover match at 13. I actually have the Wrestle War match at, match at uh, 14. Oh, okay. And um, Spring Stampede, I have at 18. The Saturday night match, I have at 20. And then um, the Boogie Jam match at uh, 22. So seven out of my top 22 were Flair Steve. Hard to argue. Yeah, the the Chono Muda match I was talking about earlier in the show uh, is from July uh, January fourth, nineteen eighty three. Fantastic story at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, I had that at number ten. That's one. So, I just took a look. I did a quick search here. I have Steamboat in 18 matches in my greatest WCW Top 100 matches. And I have Flair in a total of 29 of them. Yeah. Um, let's see. I have, let me, let me count my Flares. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, (laughs) 28, 
31. 31. 31 of my 100 matches have flair in them. Uh, so I got 13 of my top 22 or four matches. So I'll, yeah, I'll just crazy. go. I'll just go through the rest of them. So I already mentioned the scene, but once uh, Flair stick at Clash One is was on uh, number three. I had uh, him against Vader at Starcade '93 is five. Oh, I have the Flair Funk at Great American Bash '89 at seven. I had his match at on uh, Worldwide against uh, Barry Windham in '87 as number eight. Um, the I yes. Quit match at I Quit match at Clash Nine is number seventeen. Uh, the War Games match in '87 with uh, the Horsemen against yep. Nikita, the World Warriors, Dusty, and Paul Ellering at nineteen. Yep, I have that too. And, uh, yeah, that's about. It. And I think the next flare match I have is um, at thirty-one. Him and uh, Orn against Doom at Halloween Havoc ninety. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the let's see, I have. Well, obviously, I have this at one. I have uh, Wrestle War match at four. I have the New York Knockout match at eight. I have the Chattown Rumble match at nine. I have the House Show from Landover. At 13, I have the Boogie Jam match at 14. I have Flair Wyndham that 87 Worldwide at 15. I have the horse. I have the uh, the War Games match from the Bash 87 at 16. So I have Flair for four straight matches. Uh, oh, sorry, five straight. I have him in <laughs> at 17. I have him and Sting from Bash 90. Uh, then I have Harley, him and Harley from Starcade 83. All right, so I have Flair. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Five straight matches between 13 and 18 are all flair. Actually, I stand corrected. Uh, the Flair Steamboat match of Boogie Jam was in March of 84. The Meadowlands match was uh, in, in uh, May. It was two months after the I, Boogie Jam match. Yeah, that's, uh, that, yeah, that show was called um, Night of Champions. Night of Champions. Yeah, I, have, I have that match, yeah, too. I, 44, I have it. So I have it at 32. So eight of my Flair top four, eight of my top forty-four Flair Steamboat matches. I have uh, I have Flair and Arn from Fall Brawl '95 at twenty. I have Vader and Flair from Starcade '93 at twenty-two. I have the Hollywood Blondes versus Flair and Arn from Clash in '93 at twenty-three. I have Flair and Steamboat from WCW Saturday Night at twenty-seven. I have Flair Funk from Bash 89 at 29. Yeah, nah, Flair's all over this. Needless to say, he's a goat. So. Ooh. Wow. The only time I ever get to see Steamboat do a Boston Crab was in that WCW Nintendo game. I know. <laughs> right?
I really do like the fact that JR is bringing up the bad back as like a factor here. I know. So Flair get uh, Steamboat gets his two uh, falls fairly quickly together, I think. Not quickly, but Oh, I see Klondike Bill right there. Yep. It's amazing how they perfectly uh, dim lit this building so as not to really show the 60,000 empty seats. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as far as you know, there's only like one level here. I know.
half an hour, and we really have had no dead spots. Well, really, we have yeah. no, we've had no dead spots. No. You're right, Terry. We it doesn't feel like we've been out very long. Yeah, it's like they're so good. It's like you don't notice. Oh wow, yeah, thirty minutes have elapsed in this match. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like for example, like. The main event at this year's WrestleMania, I felt, was like two and a half hours. Like, this is like nothing. It's like some kind of weird, like, hybrid bear hug. That they got going on over here. Yeah. Crazy. Did you do a GWWE list, Greg? Uh, in what, the uh, the match list in 2017? Yeah, the match list. Yeah, I I don't think I have that on me, but I, I do think... No, I had Savage Steamboat on the, uh, yep, the me top too. 100. <laughs> and that's always top 10, I think. I have to go back to the... Um, the top ten show we did with Robert, which I really need to do the um the one for uh wrestler sometime. I've just been had yeah. I just had had so many things with my podcast in real life and everything. So oh, of course, absolutely. Check out Greg's I mean, show t- uh, and Chico and the guys over on the PTB Pop Experience. It was yeah, a thing and, and Mike, yeah, yeah, and Mike. Occasionally, you'll to- see a wrestling centric show over on the uh, PTB Wrestling Network from time to time. Yeah, we did uh, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling recently yes. for WrestleMania. That was great. It was a good episode. It was I enjoyed a, it. It was a very good episode. Uh, if you go to my or Podbean feed tomorrow, you're going to enjoy the episode we got tomorrow. I think it's like one of our best. So Good. Excellent. And actually, we're... Um, Sometime middle of this week, we're going to be actually starting our annual pilot month. Where we're going to be looking at a whole bunch of different pilots for a bunch of different, uh, nice what could have been shows. So that that's always the best time of year for us. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh oh. Mini superplex. Nice. Crisp. Nobody could make could sell like death better than Rick. Oh, absolutely. Every every match, every move felt like he got shot. <laughs> felt like he was in Dallas in '63. <laughs> <laughs> huh. 
getting shot by the magic bullet. That's right. And that's a big deal because I don't think there's many times I can think that Rick ever submitted. Right. I mean, I can I only think of that and maybe the um, the title match with Brett and Saskatoon are the only two times I can recall he ever submitted. Yeah. I think he just said 40 minutes. Fast yeah, 40 minutes, sense. I'll tell you. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I would have loved to have had a ringside seat for this match. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. You know, as the went, this a... can't, these camera guys have the best view of this match right here. Exactly. I was so upset when when uh, Steamboat came back in 91 and, you know, Vince pretty much buried him because he, you know, uh, he, yeah. what happened in 87 or 88, I guess 87. Yeah, but thankfully he came back to WCW later in 91. Yes, he did. Yep. And one of the greatest surprise partner reveals of all time. Yes. It happened twice. He, when he came yep. back here in 89, same thing with Eddie Gilbert. Yep. But I love the 91 one for 
just the club, the image of Orange saying, not Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> and that's a great match in its own right. Uh, Orange and Larry against uh, Ricky and Dustin. Yes. That was in my top 100. And I believe that was on one of the uh, the all-nighters. It was. I think you're right. Because I I do I did tape the uh, the second all nighter in ninety uh, January of ninety five and the reason why I remember yep. it was January of ninety five was that was the night the Rangers raised the uh, Stanley Cup banner at the Garden because remember they, oh, there was the was lockout drunk, yeah yeah the yep. lockout I believe uh, we did on one of our episodes of Jenny and the Gems I believe we did one of the all nighters. Yeah, because they did the second all-nighter, I believe, in, like, some hotel room in Atlanta. Yep. Yeah, that that's I the think... one we did. Yeah. And the first one, I believe, was taped at Tony's house. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe they aired the um, the Flair Steamboat match from uh, July 94 and main event on that second all-nighter. Yes, they did. Yeah. They heard a bunch of crazy stuff. That was where I saw that was the first time I saw like a lot of that stuff because yeah. I lived in an area that didn't have TBS until like fall of 94. So like, wow. Basic, ba- yeah, I know. I think it was primarily because we had WSBK out of Boston as our super station. Yeah, so, it's so like, did I. Yeah, I, had so both. It's For- like- I was fortunate. I had both. So, um, yeah, because I think. Uh, here they dropped WSBK in this right before the summer, and then they added TBS in fall of '94. So that was when I got to see like a lot of that for the first time, and right. all the Four Horsemen stuff. It was like wow, because like WCW yeah. really never did a great job of like showcasing their history compared to no. WWF. No, once the NWO was there, no one gave it. The history got crapped on. That's pretty much what it was. And then it was like, ironically, when when Vince bought the library is when you finally got to see all that great stuff. Like the yep. hard time promo and everything. Hard times. Yep, I agree. Terry was so good on commentary for this match. He really was. Oh, he adds a lot to this match. He really does. You know, his experiences with Flair, with Flair and... And uh, I'm sure Funk and Steamboat wrestled when Funk was in uh, was in WWF in '86.
Well, he said it's not for a while. <laughs> I mean, he's been in this figure four for like a minute and a half. That's crazy. You know, I never understood the figure four pinfall. You're not actually on him. No. Never understood that. No, that's not going to happen, Jib. No. We can't go from this to Lex Luger and Jack Victory. No. If you did that match before this, fine. Oof. Wow. Forgot how no. close that fall was. Wow. The action since the second fall, like this fall alone has been just, this is five stars alone. Just this uh, fall. This is intense. I forgot the the enjoying it again the amazing commentary by Flit, by uh, JR and uh and uh Terry. And Terry Funk just so good
Eight. <laughs> that was great. That was great. That was some great selling right there. Yeah. It's like amazing when you think about it, like how for how critically acclaimed these matches are. It's like it really did not translate to like big business at the box office for no WCW. Yeah, I mean, again, I feel like they tried their best. I feel like they they thought this match was all that ma- was all that was needed to to take viewers away from buying WrestleMania five just this match and. No, like you said, maybe this match is better than Flair than Savage F- Hogan, but WrestleMania Five is obviously a much better show. Like I take Warrior Rude over any of the matches on the undercard. I agree. I'll even take the run DMC WrestleMania rap over anything on the undercard of this. Did he say a hatchet? <laughs> a hatchet. <laughs> a hatchet. Oh, a nice enziguri. Yep. Oof. A karate kick. Ten minutes. So we're at the fifty minute mark. Fifty minute mark. <laughs> Dancing around to music and posing. <laughs> oh god. Shots fired, Jim. Shots fired by JR. And you're as president say, and you're watching this for free. And hey, he's not wrong. No. I gotta look I gotta check to see what the top PWI matches of the year were in eighty nine. Did they have like match of the year in eighty nine at PWI? Oh yeah. Uh I think it was this. It was this a Wrestle War.
Okay, I'm on fandom right now. Uh, the Wrestle War match was their uh, PWI match of the year. Yes. And Flair was Flair was wrestler of the year in '89. Ricky was third runner up. Oh God, Steamboat finished behind Luger. Really? I mean, I love Lex, but no. And Steamboat had the match of the year in '87 with Savage at WrestleMania three. Correct. Yes. So he had two number one matches of the year. The fact that they're talking about that, you know, um, Steamboat should have played keep away because Crazy. Oh, here we go. They didn't even mention that the footless bullet was, was off the rope. No. Oh, here he is. Now we're talking about it. Now Flair Flair calls it out. Now they've... All right, so now we're going to get the replay here. 
I I don't know, Tommy. Looked looked like both of their shoulders were down. <laughs> when, when, when Steve tried to get his shoulder up, he put Flair's shoulder up. Uh, what are you going to do? You got to go with the, the finish that's both, so. When does it go more, Hmm. I like how that I never I totally forgot about this interview and Ricky trying to like end the feud and like all right I've had enough beat him twice I'm done it's funny how he did that yeah Tommy Young sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can just picture Rick being irate at Pizza Man right now at the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
All right, so that that's gonna do it for this. Still, my it's still number one. Still number one. Definitely. Yep. Still number one for me. It's amazing. And yeah. Muda. Oh, Muda, yeah. I gotta say that was a fun watch, Greg. That was a fun watch. It, it was, and I'm looking forward to the uh, to the very end. I'm looking forward to seeing how this all wraps up in a couple weeks. Yes. Well, uh, it has been a pleasure, uh, and we thank all of you for watching, whether you watched it live or you're clicking on it after the fact on the archive. Thank you for joining us. Greg, where can everyone find you in the social media world? Uh, well, you can follow It Was a Thing on TV at ItWasAThingOnTV.com. We're on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're at, well, I I don't know if you've heard about this, Scott, but apparently there's been a, a lot of things going on in Twitter the last like week or so. But for now, mm-hmm. we're on Twitter yeah. too. So, um, yeah, and we're on Mastodon, we're on Hive Social, we're on we're basically on every social media platform. You can check it was a thing on TV on the Place to Be Nation Pop Experience every Wednesday, and we got new episodes dropping. Monday and Thursday on our Podbean feed at it was the thing on TV at dot podbean.com. All sorts of fun stuff. Absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott C Podfather, but please follow the brand on Twitter at PTBN Wrestling. I do the wrestling uh, time travel every day where I look back to shows that happened on this date. We had a great week uh, here on the PTB Wrestling Network. We had uh, new episodes of Through the Looking Glass, Highway to the Impact Zone. Uh, who's next and we're going to have a big sh- uh, week this week as well so for uh, for why is that talking nobody wants to talk uh, <laughs> for Greg Diener I am Scott Griscolo uh, hope you enjoyed it thanks for joining us for this special presentation of Clash of the Champions 6 and we'll talk to you again here on Stream Lounge in two weeks for Wrestle War 89 have a good night everybody <laughs>